fully believe we're making great progress. I told the American people many times, and I've told the press corps many times, that uh, this is a struggle that's going to take a while. That it's, uh, that it's not one of these Kodak moments. There's no moment to this. This is a long struggle in a different kind of war. But we're patient, and our close friends are patient, uh, which is bad news for the Taliban and, and the people they harbor. First of all, can I say how pleased I am to be back at the White House um, in the company of President Bush? Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David and I am here with Rob. Hello. Alistair. Hello. James. Hello. And Jamie. Alright. How are we doing, Trips? I just found out some shocking things about David Attenborough and I'm not sure how to take it. (laughs) Is it that shocking though? It should be quite expected. Someone high up in the BBC has some fucked up views. Wow, what what a novel surprise. (laughs) Is he still still even at the BBC? I thought he was like at Sky or some shit now. Didn't he? I thought he got a Netflix deal, but then I just... Yeah, he did a bunch of Netflix shit, but he also does the BBC shit as well. Ah, right. Man just loves, loves to make some money. Hoomst among us, etc., you know? Yeah, uh, subscribe to us on Patreon.com. For- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of sympathy for a guy who gets paid for just pointing at stuff and going look at that, and occasionally telling you how fucked up things Doing are. Doing the soy face, having his mate behind a wall. What? <laughs> 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 David Attenborough soy face <laughs> For real though, he's a Malthusian So fuck him, anyway yeah, fuck him. Yeah, but he, anyway. he knows a lot about penguins Yeah, That's true. Well, It's impossible to say if he's good or bad <laughs> Well, rather than talk about One guy who really loves animals Let's talk about another guy who wants to Fucking kill animals before, before Kill Starmer this just, week Sorry, before we do, can I just say one thing Like, I was in the, no. I was in the UK for Fuck you um, I was in the UK for, for a few days And like, I swear to God, we, we, land, we landed And we were waiting for the bus from the airport And within under an hour I had strong feelings about the lack of bins at the airport I was like, where the fuck's the bin? That never happened <laughs> Welcome, brother You are one, <laughs> yeah. one of us <laughs> It was pouring grey, wet, and miserable, and I was bitching about the bins. I've, I've, I've rarely felt so at home. And felt, Don't like it? There's a door. <laughs> I felt cold dread <laughs> creeping all over me. See, yeah, now that, for that's control just purposes, for control purposes, we need to send like David or Jamie over to you in Switzerland and see if they start to get really obsessed with plating styles and other <laughs> stupid <laughs> bullshit that no one I really can needs categorically to categorically guarantee you right now that neither of us would. Yeah. <laughs> David screaming, do they have original fucking iron brew? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> well, let's talk about labour again. Cause that, cause, and animal know. slaughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Potato frowny faces. No, no, no. See, that's that's bonus. That's bonus episode content there. We'll yeah, you don't just get to know about the potato smiley face. No, you do not. Um, so... Let's talk so about Geronimo like the, the Alpaca. The Supreme Court have made Keith put his bolt gun back on the shelf. <laughs> Is that where we're at? For now, yes. Yeah. So, for anyone that's maybe missed this, Keir Starmer, out of fucking nowhere, came out to defend the decision by DEFRA 
that uh, an alpaca should be Geronimo the slaughtered. alpaca, not just any alpaca, Geronimo. Oh yeah, the yeah, no, yeah. Ger- of course, yeah, Geronimo the alpaca. Um, yeah, so Geronimo should be slaughtered because Geronimo has had uh, bovine TB for the last like four years or some shit. Yeah, and out of fucking nowhere, Keir Starmer was like, "Yeah, no, I agree with that decision. We should kill the kill the alpaca." And yeah. since that has happened. He volunteered to drive an old-timey steamroller across the alpaca. <laughs> His hair's grown out like that guy out of No Country for Old Men. <laughs> he volunteered to tie the alpaca to some train tracks. Since that point, the alpaca has now been granted a stay of execution after <laughs> Kirstammer came out in favour of the execution publicly and for no good reason. Yeah, well, because Corbyn said they shouldn't No, they I shouldn't do think there it. is actually a reason. I'm pretty. I, I'm reasonably sure that that the 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 big brain labor thinking is as follows because it's bovine TB, right? I mean, this is also no. Why we're, it's we're, um, it, the reason. The reason is that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first bleep of the episode. Um, mm. <laughs> no, because you know this is also why we're doing a genocide on badgers is to prevent bovine TB, and I'm pretty sure this is to like. Is- no, he's. This is to appeal to farmers, you know, that other natural constituency oh, of the fuck Labour Party guys. Yeah, shovel up their fucking asses. The annoying, right? So, okay, I actually know the facts behind this a bit, so I'm going to be that person and, and share them a little bit. There's How a very do you good come chat- onto this podcast knowing anything? It's like we're mix on and makes us all look bad. No, yeah. what can I say? Yeah, when you, oh, I'm, I'm going to be that guy that knows the facts. It's like, no, just talk about like fucking Keith wanking off. That's what people want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go mad for that shit. It's got to do, be a land of contrast. On, do numbers on fucking Podbean or whatever. It's, it's like yin and yang. <laughs> you need to have some facts so that when the absurdity comes in, it clashes with it, right? Anyway, so the, the alpaca probably doesn't have TB and probably never had TB, right? The TB test appears to be quite flawed when it comes to alpacas specifically. Um, and especially if they've been taking a particular medication, which can cause a false positive. And so the owner's thing repeatedly is, I don't think my alpaca actually has TB. When it was tested, and it was tested twice within a very specific window, it was under this medication that it had to take to move to the UK. And in alpacas, that medication makes it like they've got TB. If you retest them now, they won't have TB. And that's all they were asking for, is can you just test them one more time, please? This shit goes all the way to the top, doesn't it? They can't test it again because they haven't got, like, nine billion quid lying around. But this is a, <laughs> the test cost something like 26 quid or something like that, and the owner was like, I will pay for it. But the rules... Yeah. Here's the thing, just the start, rules say... Start go fund me, just do your own test. Well, well, this is the thing. The rules say that the official test can only be conducted twice, basically. <laughs> and if, it's, if, if it is found to have TB twice, it must be killed, is what the rules say. And Keir Starmer came out in defense of this, despite quite a few people saying, no, listen, we've had this ongoing problem with alpacas getting murked, and then they test the corpse afterwards, because that Keir makes Starmer sense. Keir Starmer hastily applying poor, poor rules to a situation that requires a bit more thought. Say it ain't fucking so. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, frankly. Yeah, but no one, no one has proof that the alpaca wasn't involved in the riots. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that yeah. alpaca drink a bottle of water. It was enough for me to kill him. I mean, if you saw an alpaca drinking a bottle of water, I think you'd be pretty shocked as well. Let's be honest. Convening a night court for the purposes of trying the alpaca. I'm extremely <laughs> here for this. Is it, is it, is it a poor sort of phrase to ha- have a kangaroo court for an alpaca? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing him, like, sneaking up behind it with a bit of wire. 
<laughs> just garrot a fucking alpaca. There's a lot of nectar garrot. Good, to good fucking luck, by the way. They're very hard to kill with it. Like, um, again, alpa- <laughs> this is this is this is James's <laughs> okay. alpaca facts, apparently. Yeah, the, the um, knowledge yeah, we're has fucking, fucking logged on. Yeah, 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 yeah apparently. apparently. Like, here's here's a fact you might not know about alpacas. They're very similar to Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they kind of are, like, their neck... Um, no, they're they... fucking hot! <laughs> well... <laughs> so, for real, they're, uh, they they have very big necks, much like Steven Seagal. And... Damn, tell me something else I don't know. <laughs> and also, in particular, their necks have lots of redundancies in their blood veins and capillaries, etc. Mike's auxiliary neck! <laughs> they kind of do. So it's like it's actually quite hard to kill an alpaca by cutting their neck or choking them. <laughs> if you cut a cow alpaca's head off, it just grows a new body. Well, yeah. they, they've literally now you've, got, they, now you've got two alpacas to deal with. <laughs> they are the alpaca is the fucking hydra of the modern day. People, people don't know. People don't know that, but al- alpaca necks have a lot of redundancies, much like the Labour Party. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> God, actually smoothly brings us on to the second point here. <laughs> Agile alpacas. Yeah. Um. So there's there's a bunch of um bullshit being put out by uh David Evans, the uh temporary acting whatever fucking general secretary, where he's oh, we outlined. Love, we love big Davy racism on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Especially so he, when he's issuing like in, interpretive dance statements about the future of the Labour Party. <laughs> <laughs> so they've 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 put out a bunch of stuff, included um, as some stuff from a PowerPoint presentation, and I'm looking at it just now, and I can't understand any of it. None of it makes any fucking sense. I I don't think I've. It's not meant to. Yeah, it's business bullshit stuff. But they're actually like they're actively putting this out and showing it off as if it's like a thing that people should be impressed by. Can I read no, the lines? It's very much... It's, um, it's good content. Yeah, no, no, no. Rob, is absolutely good content, it. though? Yes, it is. <laughs> or am I, gonna try and, am I going to try and inhale my own face? I mean, you would anyway. Just for something to do. <laughs> so they, they're cutting 90 jobs, but the others are going to be reformed into different... Cutting teams. 90 alpacas' heads off. <laughs> no, because then you just get 180 alpacas. Um, these, <laughs> these teams will adopt... <laughs> Okay, great, I'm yeah. Right. I'm picturing a Command and Conquer mod where one army is alpacas and the other army is like the Labour Party and every time they shoot an alpaca it just like breaks into two smaller alpacas. Like the fucking Zerg Swarm or some shit. If they get close to the enemy commander they give him TB. <laughs> but only the enemy commander. Aye. Uh, so the, the, the remaining Labour staff will be reformed into new teams, and then this is the quote. These teams will adopt a product mindset using agile ceremonies, be empowered to make decisions. Shut the fuck up. And encouraged <laughs> to focus on rapid prototyping, deployment, and iteration. Agile ceremonies, I love to marry someone on a unicycle. <laughs> I have one question for you, Rob. What is the product of the Labour Party? Uh, uh, Red Wall voters. I don't know really. Tiny alpacas. <laughs> An endless stream of unkillable alpacas. <laughs> to be so fair, they, they, I would they actually put that. out. <laughs> they actually put out a couple of nice explainers here about what um what uh, certain what, things a policy? mean. For... No, oh no, no, sorry. no, no, no. Well, not a policy. No, it's apart it's from the killing the alpaca. <laughs> It's how to get in a position to deliver policies. 
this is part of their ways of working. Um, so voter centric means putting serving the needs of voters first. This sounds like wanking them off. This is just more groveling. This is what they've been doing for a year. Please, Mr. Voter, yeah. tell us how shit we are. Well, <laughs> this means making it easy for our, for voters to understand who we are and what we stand for. It means actively listening to voters and constantly seeking to improve what we do to meet their expectations. Uh, Voter-centric... Sport, uh, look, David, David... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Voter-centric means developing meaningful reciprocal relationships with voters, transactional behaviours, telling voters what they should think or do, or asking our questions on our terms are the opposite of being voter-centric. So, here's the thing, right? See, when he says I reciprocal do. relationships with voters, I'm picturing, like, Keith with, a, like, a wire wrapped around an alpaca's neck as, like, it, its artery just sprays out a flood of tiny alpacas screaming at a voter, passing voter, like, give me a hand, grab a plank. Do you know what I mean? Just Everyone just piling in to try and see yeah, off this to, fucking, like, X-Man to, alpaca. You have to cauterize the neck before the other alpacas sprout. For real, though, like, for, when oh, they talk real, about... Yeah. <laughs> No, that's it. I'm on strike. That's it. I'm not going to do any bits anymore tonight. <laughs> oh, do please. No, no. J- Jamie can do my job. It's fine. It's okay. On you go, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie's work here is done. Clock- are we clocking off early tonight, are we? <laughs> no, we are fucking not. No, we are not. <laughs> what, 24 minutes is, the- is a podcast? <laughs> People don't like it. They can cut it in half and then they've got two podcasts. <laughs> Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, James, go on. I was just going to say, the fact that they're talking about how we want lab- uh, Labour voters to understand who we are as they are having to issue an explainer to decode their bullshit about how they're running their party and what they're actually about. Like, we want yes. to be clear and for people to understand who we are, which is why we're using agile ceremonies and, like, just total horseshit. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, it is, and it, it's, it's it's even more than that. It's the it's so that voters can find out who we are at the same time as saying we shouldn't tell voters what they should think or do, and we shouldn't ask any questions on our own terms. We should just be here, static, to receive the voter. <laughs> I'm stood here, with my mouth agape, hoping that a voter pisses into my mouth where I can say thank you, voter. <laughs> the bukkake of parties. <laughs> yeah, just. Doing agile ceremonies, you know, like a human sacrifice on a trapeze. <laughs> it's so bad. It's oh. what what it really is is at the top they have manifestly fucked it up. They have manifestly shat the bed in every observable metric. Right? You just need to look at their their accounts, look at their vote share, look at everything, and they are terrible. They are bad at their job, and everyone can see it. But it is ideologically imperative that they stay on to keep the left out. Therefore, they need a fig leaf justification. And that's what this is. It's it's management bullshit to justify the reality, which is, well, we're staying around to fuck the left. That's it. It doesn't matter how bad we do. We're here to fuck the left. But because there needs to be a fig leaf that all the Labour right can point to and go, oh, no, look, they've got got an approach and all this kind of shit. We've just come up with some total horseshit. (laughs) It's just the voter glory hole is what they've opened. Well... I've actually, I've got a little, I've got a little. I mean, fair shot. play, fair play to Big Davy Hate Crimes for being so shit at a job that he's not even officially doing yet. You know what I mean? 
I've got a, a short, very short article here that I'm just going to go through from the Express and Star, which is a regional paper in Wolverhampton. It was a short enough walk, but Sir Keir Starmer's stroll through Wolverhampton city centre certainly highlighted one of the key challenges facing him as he bids to win back voters. <laughs> is it a flood of unkillable alpacas that have taken over the no. city centre? It is, no, it is not. As the Rob, Labour leader, you, may, Rob, mm. do, do you need a minute to just like purge the alpacas from no. your system? Did <laughs> well, you enjoy purging those alpacas? <laughs> <laughs> Once they get in there, they're not coming out again. All right. As the Labour good. leader, as the Labour leader <laughs> made his way from the train station up past the Grand and onto Dudley Street before popping onto Bilston Street Nick for a chat with officers, one thing was immediately noticeable. And it was that hardly anybody seemed to care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a fucking mood! Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, uh. I mean, we we build ourselves as like a political podcast, and it is very, very difficult to give a single shit about anything that fucking oh, yeah. guy does. Boris Johnson's visits to the city in recent years have seen him mobbed and cheered in the streets. Even former chancellor, even former chancellor George Osborne, hardly the most likable of characters was called on to pose for a few selfies when he turned up at the Stiles Queen Street offices. Okay, contrast, I do want the names and addresses of the people who got voluntary self selfies with George Osborne, just for reasons. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have that information, um, obviously. Consult the usual list makers. In contrast, Sir Keel's appearance was greeted with complete disinterest. There was nary a murmur in his direction from any, any member of the public he wandered past. No requests for selfies were made, and no one called his name out. To illustrate the point, a woman approached the entourage with her phone raised, then immediately lowered it when she saw what was in front of her. Disappointment etched across her face. <laughs> it's just great, this image of, of Keir Starmer walking down some fucking high street in his enormous trousers with that stupid grimace that he has and his arms doing that thing where it's just like, please stand normally. And <laughs> no wonder people are having this kind of reaction. Oh, there is a strong sense that people either don't know who he is or aren't really bothered. Genuinely, if if I ran into Keir Starmer on the street, I think it's 50-50 chance I'd actually recognise him. Seriously. Because he's just not got a very memorable anything. No, I, I'm what sorry, but after... No, you have not photoshopped his face into enough compromise, uncompromised yeah. positions like yeah, that. That's, that's your problem there. Do, do more Keiths and you, you will know his face The thing is, though, well. imagine, imagine if you see him in real life and he's somehow sweatier than he appears on photo. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, like covered in his sheen, like of a, you know, a ham that you've left in the fridge too long. Mm. I reckon, like, honestly, if I ran into Keir Starmer on the street, I might mistake his bodyguard for him. I think if you ran into him on the street, you might worry that that tin of like chopped pork your grand's had in the cupboard since the war had somehow escaped containment. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you reckon that every time you perform an agile ceremony, you get plus one to charisma? Evidently not. Oh, what, Demonstrably like the, not. Like opening a supermarket on a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, I think that'll probably do is for labour. Um, <laughs> labour slash Geronimo the alpaca. <laughs> yes, yes. I like, I like to imagine that's just it. That's that's what that will probably do as full labour, full stop for all time. And then, that's it. They're done. And an ignominious end for an ignominious party. See, you say that, but I've I've got scores to settle, so we will be back on labour. <laughs> there will be retribution. Honestly, 
that's going to be their campaign slogan in 2024. But there will be scores <laughs> to settle. No, that'll do us for that'll do us for labour. <laughs> so I'm just picturing now the, the horsemen of a labour apocalypse and David astride an alpaca coming for Keir Starmer's head. No comment. I just like that we've now we've now got a new bit of established podcast law and it's grey goo but alpacas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. So the next uh, story we're going to talk about is obviously going to have to, at this point, is Afghanistan. Yeah, we won. We did it. We accomplished everyone. Did that that little Nazi prick from 4chan get killed? No. So that's a good entry point. That little Nazi prick uh, of 4chan was just filmed on a US airlifter. He's sitting like among the Afghan refugees, whereas my answer would be just fucking leave that prick there. I think you'll find it's Lord Little Nazi Prick because he went in to get an account made at his bank. Oh, yeah. With fake documents, with fake documents claiming he was a lord and bullshitted it. Which, as I understand, is actually a criminal offence. So, you know, good luck. What could go wrong? Yeah, but I mean, I'm just disappointed they didn't yeet him out the back of the fucking plane. Mm. Yeah. To be fair, speaking of yeeting people out of planes, I, I I do have one possible solution to this whole business, and that is to get every single fucking blue tick melt prick who's been caterwauling about, oh, we must go back, and oh, I'm I'm suddenly oh. really interested about women's rights, and oh no, this and that is like. Just fucking take a military cargo plane, put two Ajaxes in it, and then just fill it with <laughs> Suzanne Moores and Alistair Campbells, all these other fucking cunts. Just before you know, talk brigades. If we're going to talk about fucking like Twitter hot takes about like the the fall of like Kabul, then I'm going to drink bleach. I'm warning you now because it's just <laughs> been fucking. It's been intolerable. Like it has been completely intolerable. I mean, and I suspect the reason that it is so totally intolerable is because the. You know the the, the neoliberal Warhol Center. I don't, I don't want to hear from a bunch of fucking pricks whose main concern is that their fucking like favorite army looked bad. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They've like fucked yeah. up another country for twenty years and then just abandoned it, <laughs> and and now <laughs> oh, it's like fuck. oh. <laughs> This is exactly it. It's the exact same energy as people fucking raging about Games Workshop making Imperial Guard not as good. (laughs) (laughs) That is... That's, I mean, that's pretty much it, though, isn't it? It's like, you know what I mean? They they backed this as the solution to all the world's problems, and it would, like, it would d- deliver an, a progressive, like, stable democracy, and instead they, they pissed a trillion dollars up the wall into, like, fucking Blackwater's pockets or whatever. Did literally nothing but make the country fucking worse, and then just abandoned it, and now it's like fucking, oh, well, you know... What that it's disgraceful how everyone says, well, we like you know what I mean. Why didn't you? Why did you just like fuck this country up for twenty years when clearly these people don't care about fucking women's rights? No, no. Well, they care about women's rights, but they only and specifically care about the rights of women in their same class. It's you know they're like oh they're I- accusing anyone who's anyone who opposed the war of not caring about women's rights as if they've fucking done anything. No, it's like, I mean you know rhetorically I mean? they care about women's rights and that it's a useful cudgel, right? Yeah, 
But, they, I mean, they can't, like, everyone told him at the time, this is a terrible idea, don't do this. The left all stood up and said, this is awful, don't fucking do this, this is going to be terrible. There is historical precedent for this being terrible. You used it to fuck up the Soviets, it's terrible, don't try it. Every empire that's gone into Afghanistan, it's been terrible. It's unnecessary. Look, the Taliban are willing to hand over bin Laden if we stop bombing them. That's what we want, isn't it? And everyone, everyone stood up and said, this is terrible, you'll get a lot of people killed for nothing. Finally, it's come to roost, and we've proven that, yes, they got a bunch of people killed for nothing, and they're doing everything in their power to say that everyone is to blame for this thing they wanted to happen, other than them. Yeah, but look, J- Jimmy Bullock is not interested in your hot takes right now, because <laughs> he's just too sensitive right now. What a <laughs> rare melting flower he's been in the last fucking 72 hours. Fuck you, Jimmy Bullock. I was gonna. I was gonna go on to say as well the the insane focus on like women's rights as well. Like you think you do you know what I mean? It's it's weird, isn't it, that it's only like women and children that they care about in Afghanistan? Yeah. Like, well, what is it about the men of Afghanistan that like makes these people? They don't even care about women and children. They do not well, care I about. They, them. I know they don't, but they pretend to. But like you know, it's like oh, but. You know, we should we should definitely like have airlifted all the women and children out, but not the men because the men are scary. <laughs> no, no, Jamie, they only want they only want to airlift the women out of out of Afghanistan if the Taliban agrees on the same definition of woman. Oh, <laughs> oh, dog, <laughs> dog. oh that's fucking, oh no! Did you see that fucking Polly Toynbee thing from this morning where she's posting like the inside of a of a fucking military? Oh wait, plane. where there were clearly women visible yeah, in the photograph like, oh, of like yeah. Wonder why there's no women? It's like fuck off you hack piece of shit you fucking sdp has been <laughs> just fuck all the way off jesus christ i do love that the angrier you get rob the more your chair creaks it's like pretty cool it's, it's like there's a there's an audible barometer of how upset you are with shit it's an emotive time it's a very emotive mm. like just fuck these guys especially like honestly right i'm gonna go there and i'm sorry but all the fucking mumsnet people fantasizing about the Taliban murdering queer people has been like a thing as well, because they've yeah. been they've been, po- they've been posting it in the form of oh no you know all these fucking people in the West don't understand they think gender's just a thing you can fuck around with and they don't understand how they just be <clears throat> brutally murdered by the Taliban and they're only defended by blah 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 and it's like yeah you're just you're just having a wank because you like to imagine the Taliban coming in and hurting trans people that's what's going on there I mean, that is the appropriate it's... reaction to the tragedy in Afghanistan. It's the same. It's the same. Whenever any fucking like idiot on the internet tells anyone like, "Oh, oh, well, you know what I mean." You think you're oppressed here for being gay? You should go and live in Syria where they throw you off a roof. And it's like, has anyone ever fucking like made that point without sounding like they heartily approve of that? Of that? Yeah, you know what I mean. Much. It's like it's like you didn't give a, you didn't give a fuck about you know drone strikes on weddings or hospitals being exploded that was just the cost of doing business that was just fine and also you believe the fucking bullshit that every bit of, bit of exploded ordinance was actually a militant that's that how was you, killed like get the fuck that's out how of you here. bring that's how you bring progressive democracy to a country by like fucking do you know what i mean hellfire missiles into every wedding yeah, like, yeah listen, paint, listen. paint the bombs pink listen yeah. one twitter user no one twitter user gave us a very simple solution to all this Easiest option, airdrop so many handguns and ammo that every single person <laughs> there is armed. Either they will oppose the Taliban and make a new system, or they will be armed like us, so there isn't any country that would willingly try to invade. 
This you can only fucking write if you're a totally bird-brained American who's like the Second Amendment (laughs) nut job. It's like, do you think that if there's if if Afghanistan is short on fucking anything, it is guns. I don't think you could get a gun anywhere in Afghanistan without a lengthy permit process. The guy who wrote that definitely has strong opinions about age of consent laws. Yes, it's a libertarian. (laughs) Actually, it's a libertarian. Ah, well, <laughs> Jamie fucking got his number from a million miles away. Amazing. But I mean, like, just in the broader context, I mean, this thing's been going on for twenty plus years. Like, I was, I was eighteen when this fucking thing started. You know, or seventeen. I can't fucking even remember anymore. Like, this is permanent war, and we did nothing. We accomplished fucking zero, and now they're all caterwauling. I was like, oh no, we got to go back to show we accomplished something. It's like. We did 20 years and, you know, we did the episode with Nate a couple months ago. Like, we spent more than 2 trillion US dollar on Christ knows what, mainly military contractors. And then, like, you know, what the fuck are we going to do? Like, do we have to go back? Like, what... What is it you it's, want? Yeah, but if, it's if, incre- if it's, we leave and abandon the country and it looks like we lost and people compare it to Vietnam, well, then Tony Blair looks like a prick. Look, and we can't Jamie, have that. Jamie, what we'll do is we'll just get the fucking British army on its own to go back and do something in Afghanistan without the support of the US. Just I'm sure bit, bit, a plan which I'm sure in a will only go swimmingly. Sit in a fighting vehicle and oscillate. Like, <laughs> the, the, the British army who were notoriously, like, who notoriously when they went to Afghanistan, the Americans were like, ah, oh, well, we got the British with us. They'll be pretty good. Then they all showed up and America went, Fuck me, the British Army's gone downhill. They can't do anything and just started taking all the jobs off them because yeah, they couldn't, we couldn't, you couldn't trust the British Army to do yeah. anything. Well, and I it's... mean, like, David, David's ex military, right? So, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> you, no, you, I am you not. Know, I mean, you, surely you know what people are like in the fucking army. Do you know what I mean? Every single person I've ever met who was in the army was a fucking clown. <laughs> Uh, for full disclosure i have never properly been in the military i was in the cadets um, <laughs> I, <qualify> properly. <laughs> I need to fuck it i will get david, so fucking hard if people think I'm in, i was in the army for fuck's sake david was merely a child oh. soldier it's very different yeah didn't they make you like archduke of the cadets because you were one of the only ones that knew which end of the gun to point forwards <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> Uh, I've worked with a lot of people who were ex-army, a lot of people who'd served out like the full amount of time that you can serve in the army, which are usually the people who are the most insane. Um, yeah, no, full of clowns, absolutely chock fucking full. The whole thing is a circus. And then, like for now, for now we have to like move forward, and now we're having this the world's dumbest debate about oh. Should we recognise the Taliban as a government, or should we just pretend that there's some cunt sitting in an office in Dubai? It's, you know, it's yeah, Juan like, Guiardo's uh, yeah. on his way. I hear it's, like, it's it, <laughs> this whole thing. This whole thing is so stupid. They basically like. America's pulled out because America's got exactly what it wanted. It negotiated everything it wanted with the Taliban. It agreed to have its policy objectives in Afghanistan met. And they're like, all right, okay, we're done. We can pack up and go now, basically. They they basically talked to the Taliban and said, you're going to do the pipeline. The Taliban said, yeah, we'll do the the pipeline. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. And the Taliban said, yeah, we'll do X, Y, and Z. And that's it. They're done. They got what they wanted. Like, all right, we can leave then. Fair enough. We'll, We'll call it, we'll call it evens. And they're out. Um, the problem is they can never admit that. They can never mm. admit that it's an imperial exercise. And so well, you're I mean, left... it's, it's, it's an important lesson for everyone, really, that you should settle for the draw. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, an unmitigated draw. But mm. all the rhetoric, all the rhetoric that took us into Afghanistan, it was it was always about how it's not an imperial venture. And the reason we pulled out is that it's nakedly an imperial venture and we've got what we want in the end. Well, and also we're just doing like a fucking brutal cut and run at the moment. Like Macron yeah. today was already talking about how Europe needs to close its borders to stem the flood of refugees from Afghanistan and like... Yep. Not- oh, the thing. The thing is, though, Rob. The thing I liked. The thing I liked about that was the way he dressed that up in the same kind of language that fucking Keir Starmer used to call the. Uh, you know, talking about those redundancies. It's just like mm-hmm. migrant flows and shit like that. Yeah. Just utterly dehumanizing nonsense and well, the disease of- stuff as well. Like Speaking talking of about fucking, vectors. Like, d- diseased crap, this is not just to bring my own fucking country into it for a change. Oh, this yes. Is, this I is was going to raise this, Rob. This morning at the Dutch, and also, by the way, the Swedish embassy, as I read later. Mm-hmm. When Afghan employees of the Dutch embassy arrived in the office on Sunday morning, they were, f- they were flabbergasted to find that the Dutch had all left without telling them anything. They just fucking picked up and left. So 37 Afghan employees of my fucking country's embassy and their family so about 200 people they're just living at home because they showed up and we just literally packed our shit in the middle of the night and told the people who worked with us and translated for us and did all the you know the stuff they were the intermediaries between the imperium and the afghan uh, you know and the afghan population we just fucking cut and run and i swear to god if you think immigration debates are vicious and stupid and insensitive in the uk and they are like you haven't seen a fucking thing yet you haven't seen what the netherlands does it's fucking it's like even, so grossed out it's even it's even with sweden they literally they literally told their employees see you tomorrow and then they turn up to the office the next day and there's just no swedish people they're gone that's it and it, this matters well, because i, I, I mean all, it all, sounds like both these embassies got a lot less racist overnight if nothing else yeah I mean, that's <laughs> But there's also the fact, like, and I, I hate to, I hate to be the real downer on this, but this is just how horrific it is. All of those people who worked in those embassies are going to be killed, and their families are going to be murdered. Probably, yeah. No, certainly the Taliban have are on record. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, anyone who, anyone who worked with the imperial like factors in Afghanistan, they are going to be tried and convicted and murdered. And well, I mean, that's it. But maybe not, because, you know, the newly uh, appointed president of Afghanistan is a uh, distinguished professor at the Pentagon-funded National Defense University in Washington, D.C. And he worked at the CIA-friendly Voice of America for more than 20 years. And he was trained by the British Army. So surely a man like that can never commit any crimes. Again, we got, like, we, the Imperium, got what we wanted in Afghanistan. We cut a deal with the Taliban basically to control the geopolitical situation and to ensure that capital gets to do its thing with the pipeline and all the rest of it. And in exchange, we're going to let them run the country however the fuck they want, as long as it doesn't impede on those areas we care about. The Taliban have said, you know what? Okay, we can live with that. And that's it. It's done. The deal's in. It's fucking, it's so fucking disgusting. Like, I'm so fucking disgusted that we have to sit through this fucking caterwauling of these people like oh we must now go back and what about the refugees and it's like you you fucking people every single time there was talk about refugees whether or not when they came from libya or where they came from when it's about boats you know there was that fucking labor councillor cunt talking about reinstating a home guard to like patrol our shores oh like, fuck get the fuck out of here yeah this mealy mouth oh. bullshit Next I'd forgotten week. about I'd forgotten about Dad's army, but for the navy. Yeah, 
I mean, I swear to God, if, if tomorrow fucking Twitter decides to give Donald Trump his account back, all these same people will have forgotten all about it. They'll, yeah. they'll all it's fuck like, off somewhere else. It's like, genuinely, it's about 30% people who've really drank their own, you know, they've drank the Kool-Aid, they've bought their own <laughs> bullshit. And their own piss about it. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. It's, it's 30% that, and it's 70% of people going, well, what was our rationale for going in at the time? Oh, shit, it was about doing all this good stuff, and we're not doing that, and there's no way around that. Well, I guess we're, I guess we're just going to have to pretend, moan about it for a while until the news cycle moves on, and now they're doing that. Yeah, but we would have done all the good stuff if not for Jeremy Corbyn. That's true. I'd love how the left told them don't go in, it'll cause a humanitarian crisis. It caused a humanitarian crisis, and now they're blaming the left, saying, well, it's the left's fault for taking us out. And it's like, no, 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 when no, 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 it's your fault for going in. Actually, that's fair. I, it was me. I, 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 I called the shot on that one. I was like, nah, fuck it, pack it up, lads. Yeah. I didn't think they would take us seriously. Do you know what I mean? I just rang the Pentagon and pretended to be a, a colonel. <laughs> JB rings up Joe Biden just pretending to be someone he met in like the mess hall that day. Can I just for the record say one last little thing on this right? Which is that all the discourse is asking well is this Biden's fault or is it Trump's fault? And no one is talking about Obama and Bush. No one. No one is actually going this is George Bush's fault and Obama's fault yeah, for because, escalating but James, and all that's the rest because of it. you're asking for a modicum of introspection and that is just never ever ever going to happen in this media fucking environment. Let's let's talk about that fucking like insane fucking dipshit with no object permanence at the Guardian. That'd be a good palate cleanser. Which one? You're gonna, <laughs> gonna Zoe more specific. Zoe Williams? Is that her name? Oh what no. <laughs> where like she she did that thing a while back where it was like she didn't believe in hair fever until she got hair fever. And this like today it's she used to like she used to mock people who put glasses on to read a menu until she had to start doing it herself. It's like <laughs> <laughs> Cutting edge journalism only here at the Guardian. Five oh, pounds a looking, fuck me. Looking now. forward, looking forward to. I used to think old people pissing themselves was a, like a government psyop until. <laughs> <laughs> The great thing about that joke, though, is the idea that this woman's still going to be writing for the Guardian in her eighties, and I believe it. Fucking hell, though. Yeah, hundred percent. Colour me surprised that a Guardian journalist finds it difficult to put themselves in other people's shoes. Like, (laughs) tell me, tell me it ain't so. They'll all be sitting there in like their standing bath, you know, in their little chairlifts, bashing out columns about how migration's got a little bit too out of control. I actually, actually, I reckon uh, Nick Cohen probably puts himself into other people's shoes, but not when those other people are referring. <laughs> oh, okay, Rob, why don't you take us into the main topic? Into the main topic. It's been a while, but I thought we should talk about some finance shen- shenanigans again, because we haven't Oh, for fuck's sake, like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is just, it's an elementary scam dressed up with a lot of words, so we'll just... We'll it always just... is. <laughs> it's like, literally, that's, that's what finance is. It's just, you know what I mean? It's magic beans for the digital era. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's talk about the... Uh... Tell, me, tell me about all these poor, like, farmers who've lost their cows yeah. in, the, in this latest round of, like, fucking bean funding. Well, the, the, the specific... <laughs> specific farmer i wanted to talk about is a guy called bill huang who used to run uh, a company called arkegos a family office of investment distinct trading i hate him already <laughs> uh, i love how i love how gleeful rob sounds when he le- reads out the subtitles 
Like, you know, because there's the name of it. There's the name of the actual thing. But then there's always the subtitle, like, a family office of investment or things yeah. like that. And I mean, Rob is always gleeful. He's always got that, that pitch-perfect kind of, you know, customer satisfaction gleam to him <laughs> when he says it. Exactly. Um, so he started his career as a Tiger Cub, uh, being that he was a protege of Julian Robertson, who had the firm Tiger Management, but was fired what? and... Julian Robertson was in finance? What? You say, oh, you started out as a tiger, tiger cub, as if that's a real fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to side with Jamie on this one, Rob. That is too yeah, far in the weeds I, for I, me. I thought that was a rank in the scouts or something. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going with this. Like, uh... Well, I mean, he did that for a good while, but then... He got his, um, he got his blockchain badge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he spun off his own firm called Tiger Asia, and then... He started a fire using the waste heap from a server farm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but then was unfortunately banned from doing um, public trading by the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, because of insider trading and paid a $44 million uh, fine. So what he did... Uh, um, um, Rob, out of curiosity, do you know how much money he was worth before this fine? Oh, more than 250 Easy. Because... <laughs> <laughs> just, just utter impunity to just do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Like, you've presumably made a, a huge chunk of your fortune doing shit like this, and here's like... Maybe not even not even a fifth of your net worth in a fine. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so he immediately essentially converts his uh, now banned business, Tiger Asia, into Archegos. Uh, if you're wondering about the name, by the way, Archegos, it is a biblical Greek word meaning chief or prince, and it is mainly used in relationship to Jesus. So he called himself, a, you know, he called the company after Jesus, essentially the Jesus family office. Um, so he's got. So you're telling me he's not got a super high opinion of himself. No, not really. I mean, he's very... No, I mean, if he had a super high opinion of himself, he'd have called the company Sex Jesus. <laughs> like, in English, do you know what I mean? I, I would bank with sexjesusfinance.com, uh, to be fair, like, you know what I mean? There's all these videos of him talking to, like, uh, congregations of uh, mainly South Asian uh, Christian communities where he says things but like, uh, my investments are not all about money and that God has a certain long-term view. I love it when a finance when a finance finance guy has a fucking congregation. That seems like a good combination of things to overlap. Is he one of these prosperity gospel dipshits? No, he just sort he's of. just weirder. My goal is to nurture capitalists that benefit the world that God loves. He said five years ago, "Money is a gift that God has given me to share with others, but not." See what that. it is. See what it is. When when this prick dies, Jesus is going to tune him the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably true um, so yeah so after paying the fine he starts Archegos in 2013 with 200 million dollars of his own money um, wait was he was he arrested for in, or was he done for insider trading because he was like commuting with God <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate insider trade <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the main main important bit about a family office in U.S. law, and I think you also, yeah, I know you have them in the U.K. because uh, on our first premium episode with Riley, if you remember, when we talked about David Rowland. He also employs or employed a series of family offices because essentially the law thinks, well, that's your own money. You're not trading with other people's money, so we don't really give a fuck what it is you do inside a family office. So basically, between two thousand. 2013 and earlier this year he takes that 200 million dollars and builds up uh, a total net worth position of about 20 billion dollars so that's you know that's a nice chunk of change about tenfold increase in his uh, his wealth or yeah even more, I, think. Um, I, I think that's i think i think 
What did you say? Two billion? Uh, yeah. No, 20 billion. I th- 20 billion. I think 20 billion is, is a, a, f- a few more than 10 times more than like 250 Yeah, it's 100 times more. So like he, he, uh, he yeah. So he does very well for himself. 100, 100. <laughs> Welcome to Podcasting is Praxis, the maths podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just hashtag blessed, right? Yeah, he was very hashtag blessed. <laughs> Uh, and the main way he did all this was with a a very weird trick called contracts for difference. <laughs> one weird trick. Investors hate him. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> hashtag one weird trick. Investors hate him. It's called prayer, Alistair. <laughs> I'm just. I, I, uh, I picture him like sawing a woman in half, and like money's just shooting out of her fucking like body, like the alpacas. <laughs> That's it. He opened an alpaca business, right? <laughs> just whenever he needed to sell another alpaca, it was just like, whick, and new alpaca yeah. would be formed. So he uses this method called contracts for difference, and they are a bit relevant to this story and also how the whole thing comes tumbling down at the end. So I'm going to briefly take you through what they are. The first thing that they are is they're illegal. In stop, the U- stop trying to make me learn things. They're illegal in the United <laughs> States since 2020, but you can still I mean, trade them. To be in fair, Europe. Jamie, to be fair, Jamie, he can just say stuff and you can just ignore it. Like he can't, he can't make you learn anything. Well, I know that, but you should stop trying. That's <laughs> okay. my point. All right. So the contracts for difference are actually illegal uh, in the United States, but you can still set them up in Europe and in the UK. Fortunately, I had a little check. Uh, so he just used the same market mechanism. He just moved his business abroad. Um, in places where they are still legal, they are barely uh, they are subject to like barely any oversight because they're quite complex financial instruments, and regulators essentially think that like <laughs> people like you and me don't use them. It's only like banks and family officers with a lot of money yeah yeah and when has a bank ever fucking done something highly highly dangerous like to the economy yeah not definitely not in recent fucking memory using complex financial instruments they didn't didn't really understand uh, at all not that that's foreshadowing where this is going at all so so how do these work exactly rob right so essentially a contract for difference is is a derivative it's a bet right yes with you i think it works right you, you, you stop me if i'm wrong he just takes a big pile of money and he hides it under like a bucket and there's two other buckets and he <laughs> shuffles them around and then you point and like the money's not under the uh, bucket. Jamie, I'm going to stop you and there. And he gets to keep it. I'm going to stop you there because you're wrong. The the way these... That's what I was expecting. I've got to be Sorry. honest. Hang on, we're, we're allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comedy is the subversion of expectations. <laughs> Uh, no, essentially, what it is is um, it's a it's a it's a bet. What Bill Huang specifically did is he would take out a series of contracts where he bet against uh, Goldman Sachs or, or other banks, but in a given period, usually a day or a week, but quite short, uh, that the price of a certain stock, specifically usually Viacom or Discovery, would go up, would go up or down, and he would always bet on the up. And if he was correct at the end Always of the day... Always bet on red, baby. Yeah, exactly. That is genuinely what he was, he was doing. He was, in the broader sense, he was betting on red and then betting on red. But we'll come to that. So the contract for difference is essentially you you go to Goldman Sachs and say, I bet that the stock you hold in Viacom is going to go up on the day. Um, and I will pay you a certain fee for this bet. Uh, but if 
I'm picturing I'm picturing literally any one of us rocking up at Goldman Sachs and asking them to if we can bet on like stocks and they just like tell them to fuck all the way off. <laughs> well, I mean that's why we have Robin Hood now. That's that's essentially why GameStop happened. But that's it. Anyway, this is a side discussion. Mm. So essentially, they're, they're bets, but they're bets. But the most important thing is they're the, the bet that you make is on a contract, and you never take ownership of the shares that you're betting on. So the the shares keep being owned by Goldman Sachs or Credit Suisse or another bank. You just own a contract that says this is the bet and these are the terms and you have to pay me out um, if the price of Viacom goes up or over. So, see, I I joked I joked earlier at night about you having the like prima strategy guide to the United Nations, but that's literally what this sounds like. Do you know what I mean? This is how <laughs> this is how you get like a glitched weapon in fucking Warcraft or some shit. Do you know what I mean? Yes, that is. Follow this series this series of like obscure arcane steps. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll you'll get like a plus three sword. Speaking of speaking of clarification and plus three weapons, right? So, who is the plus three weapon in the scenario, Rob? Is it is it Goldman Sachs who are on the other end of this and get paid if it's wrong? In his specific case, the way Goldman Sachs makes money is the first is they take a, a management fee for writing the contract. I can't remember whether that's flat or not, but they just take a, a cut essentially because uh, Bill Huang and Archegos asked them to draw up these contracts. They would also get more money if the price of Viacom didn't go up but or down. Um, and there was... It, Essentially, the other side is linked to movements in it needs to rise more or less than the interest on LIBOR. But this is a bit more complicated. So on LIBOR, Li- LIBOR, London Interbank Offered Rate, which was uh, scammed. No, mani- I'm not interested then. Well, this is the thing that got fixed. Scammed and manipulated for years by Barclays and a series of other banks. I've yeah. read a book about it. Maybe we, we'll yeah, about we didn't know risk of committing LIBOR. Uh, <laughs> 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 But the most important thing is, like I said, if you're using um, these these contracts for difference, you don't own uh, the stock. You just do the bet because what you're betting on is the difference between the start and the end of the contract and the price difference between them. So what you can do is you can own, quote unquote, like a million dollars worth of stock of Viacom, but you can only... You can pay a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand dollars for the privilege of this contract. So you're not physically owning anything. You're just taking the bet that it is, and because it's a bet and not an ownership, you can you like you can borrow money from Goldman to make up the difference. So I put in, or he put in, like a hundred thousand. Goldman would put in the other nine hundred thousand. That would make up the million. But the money that I would place in would only be a hundred thousand. So, like that way, you can own a, a truly gigantic amount of uh, of sh- stocks and shares without actually putting in the actual money necessary to genuinely own them. If that listener, let's just be crystal clear: the upper end of the economy is a casino. Yes, this is not it's hyperbole. Coming... It's not a joke. This is truly. not like a, this is not humor. The upper end of the economy is a casino for rich people. That's yeah. all this is. And the other way like Goldman Sachs is involved in this is Goldman Sachs, apart from doing its own trading, is also what is called a prime brokerage house. So what they do is like they they have a huge amount of shares and securities and bonds and other things that they sit on for other purposes. But rather than just sitting on those assets and like just taking the interest, they will also at the same time like lend out these securities to guys like Bill Huang. So Goldman Sachs was taking a management fee 
giving Bill Huang money to like loan him money to make the trades and then also loan him the securities that they'd loaned him money with leverage to write the contract on the shares that he didn't own. Sounds uh, sounds fine. Yeah, sounds perfectly normal. I mean, I, lo- I love to go to the bank and tell them to give me money so I can borrow money <laughs> from them and give them them giving the bank the money they've given me as collateral. Yes, pretty much. Um, so it, it's important to understand that not only is the upper end of the economy a casino. I mean that quite literally. It's both the betting shop and the loan shark. Yes, that's exactly. what's going on here. Yeah. And the other thing that's important about these contracts for difference is that because you don't actually own the stock, you just own a piece of paper with the terms of the bet written on it, the contract for difference, you can own a huge amount of stocks in a company without having to say that you own them because you don't really own them, quote unquote. So at at the at his highest point, Bill Huang and Archegos owned 20% of Viacom, which is like a gigantic multinational firm, but he didn't have to say that he did because the technical owners were Goldman Sachs and Credit Suisse and Nomura and there's the series of other banks um this is incredibly weird because like you should if you know imagine if you own like 20% of BT or something but you didn't have to say it because there was just like you didn't own it but you just had a piece of paper that was the contract the joke, the joke Jamie is making about this being like a glitch to like an exploit to you know, get your plus three weapon. I mean, it really, really isn't. Like, there's, there's no difference whatsoever because this is, this is so obfuscated and arcane that it is literally like, oh yeah, you run against this wall and then you click on this thing and then you turn 360 degrees and then you get, yeah, you clip through the floor into the vault. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, yeah, right. Using a complex, using a complex financial instrument is a lot like waking up from the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> And Morpheus wants you to invest in his portfolio. Um, right. So- no, but like legit, the whole GME thing and all the, the Wall Street bets bullshit, etc. It's literally just the kind of nerds who would previously do like World of Warcraft exploits and shit like that, applying that to high finance. But the main important catch, and this will come back later, with these um, calls, with these contracts for difference, is that because you don't own the stocks but a contract on them and you have this leverage ratio like i said like he would put in a hundred thousand to essentially borrow quote unquote a million's worth of stock it means that you are subject to margin calls and a margin cause essentially is a very good movie for one and what the other thing that it is is essentially goldman sachs takes it or took it on faith that bill huang had the cash reserves to pony up in case the- <laughs> this guy seems like a trustworthy guy we've given him all this other fucking money had had the cash reserves to pony up and a margin call is- i mean it'd, it'd, it'd be it'd be rude to assume otherwise Right, picture the wise guy rolling into the casino and saying, come on, you know, I'm good for it, I'm good for it, it's fine. Yeah. And I'm going, yeah, no, sounds good. But the okay, margin call is actually it. the controlling thing that allows you to sort of not quite have to take people on faith, which is like, say the bet goes wrong, so like Viacom stock goes down instead of up. If it goes down enough, then Goldman Sachs can come to Bill Huang and Archegos and say, all right, you have to put, you have to give us more money or more collateral because we just want to make sure that our end is our end is covered in case everything goes to shit, and that will become very important in a little bit. 
So here's the here's the way that th he made money uh, during the run up. So from 2013 to about uh, February 2021, he would buy these contracts for difference um, based on stock prices of Viacom with borrowed money. Um, and then when at the end of the day, the stock price goes up, uh, so he would get money out of it, like the bet would pay off. And instead of taking the money from the bet and just putting it in his pocket as profit, he would reinvest it in more contracts for difference with Viacom again, or Discovery or would, Chinese Tech. Uh, so, Rob, would, so so his, like, essentially his winnings meant that he would multiplicatively increase the amount of shit that, like, he would not, because not, it was not just, he was putting, like, say, 100,000 in and then getting 900,000 off the, not off the bank or, or Goldman or whatever. So this was just, multiplying more and more and more as he yeah well more let, bets let's say what he did was like he put a hundred thousand in then you know Goldman would make up the difference but at the end of the day if the share price of Viacom would go up 10 percent he would get a hundred and ten thousand back the the, the 10 percent profit but instead of taking that 10 percent off the table he would literally let it ride pretty much all the time just thinking that the stock price of Viacom would always go up so like this would this is like if you're playing roulette and like you win because the the ball the ball fell on red. It's like no, leave it there because I think the ball will fall on red again, and then it would double again because you'd win again. And then you say no, I'll leave the money on the table, and it would double again, and you would double again because the ball always lands on red. <laughs> oh. And it'd be one thing if you were just doing this only with Goldman Sachs because then it's sort of understandable, like you know, in, in a way, but he didn't only do it with Goldman Sachs. He did it up with up to eight different uh, banks. Um, wow. Nomura, Credit Suisse, UBS, Morgan Stanley, Deutsche Bank, Wells Fargo, Mizuho, and MUFG. I think the latter two are uh, Japanese uh, conglomerate banks. So he would like play eight roulette, eight roulette tables at the same time, betting on red on Viacom Discovery and a couple of uh, Chinese and e-commerce stocks. Now, if you can imagine, like that, it did pay off for him quite well at the beginning. And you can imagine that, like, once your stake has grown from a hundred thousand to one hundred and ten to, you know, it keeps going up, and you use that leverage ratio to like balloon to borrow even mm. more money from these eight banks and put even more of it on red using the contracts of difference, and then getting even more money. Like you could balloon. Not just like the amount of money you have, but also the, the price of the stock itself. Because at some point, if you own 20% of a company's stock and you keep buying more, that drives up the price. So he became big enough, I think, I'm not sure, but I think, to like influence the stock of these multinational conglomerates just by himself, by making these bets on eight roulette tables, always going for red. Are these bets publicly known? Like, no, they when, are when, not when you when you've got these down. No, not, they right? are not. <laughs> they're not known for two reasons. The first is they're derivatives, so they're not real trades. They're just like agreements between you and Goldman Sachs. You don't have to publish them. Mm -hmm. There was supposed to be uh, uh, rules for disclosure on these derivatives. They were written into the 2008 Dodds Frank uh, like finance reform bill, but they've still not been mm -hmm. put in place or activated because the banks have been fighting <laughs> since 2008 to stop exactly these kinds of things from being applied. <laughs> is there anything stopping? Is there anything stopping someone who is aware of it from saying that they've got that bet? 
no, no. Well, I mean, no, you can just say the, to, I say the trading or you can go to um, like if 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 you work in in Archegos, you can just you know if you wanted to, if you were bound by you know uh, uh, confidentiality clauses, you could just say this to the FT. But like, I'm assuming that everybody who mm. writes these contracts and signs these contracts and is aware of them is all bound by confidentiality. So how how does the actual share price get pumped up then if nobody knows these okay. bets that make I can, it I can enticing ex- up? I can explain a little bit about this. Essentially, here's what happens. First of all, there's a little detail that Rob didn't clarify, and I want to clarify it here. The reason these are not public knowledge is tax evasion and to avoid regulation. That's pretty much it, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the whole name of the game. That's why they want to move everything off books and keep it all in derivatives and all in these so-called black markets. Black as in dark. You can't see what's in them. It's a black box, essentially. So the government has no oversight of it. That's what this is yeah, all about. Yeah, the technical term is the shadow banking sector, which makes it even... which sounds very attractive. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, it makes, reason... makes, makes it sound very Tom Clancy, doesn't it? <laughs> it does a bit. But the reason the reason it pumps things up is as follows. You go to the bank and you come to this arrangement and they go, okay. But they're not actually taking a bet because what they turn around and do is they make counter-investments on the other end so that they are balanced if it actually goes in your favour. Some other schmuck ends up holding the, the, the bucket at the end of the day. And in a roundabout way you starting to place massive bets on the direction a stock will move, to balance that out, the institutions have to start making counter moves, um, balancing, you know, basically making the same sort of bets so that they can afford to pay you out and so that they don't lose money. And inevitably, it ends up coming back that someone somewhere realises that, oh, there's all this money is riding on the direction of this stock. Therefore, being able to, like, know the direction that stock is moving in is actually important. And if all these people who have serious money think the stock is going to go up, I guess that means the stock is going to go up and I should buy. And often they will do that as part of a counterbalancing action. So although it is supposedly derivatives, it's actually not. It's all integrated. But but apart from from the counterbalancing, which are completely correct on james the david how it means that like um i like how i like how they get complimented on being correct and i get yelled at (laughs) (laughs) um is that just got to be correct jamie is um that like sounds made up archegos again didn't own the stocks in viacom they owned the 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 contracts the bets the contracts for trade Mm -hmm. but as the bets that they placed with goldman sachs got bigger goldman sachs has to buy more shares because the bet bet gets bigger every time. So if Goldman Sachs, on behalf of Archegos, buys more stock, the price goes up. And if it, eight banks are doing it at the same time, then the back then the stock goes up even right. more because simply more. Okay, it's just the actual ownership is hidden through these contracts uh, for different. Maybe they're hidden, yeah. the contracts are hidden in these quantum boxes that we were talking about in uh, fucking Freeport. So at, at, the height of, <laughs> at the height of this whole thing, during a three-month period of unusual trading in both Viacom, CBS, and Discovery Stock, which we now can reasonably assume was Archegos, shares of the companies had gone up 170 and 148% between the start of the year and, and, and the close on Monday uh, in, in March. So they were the best performing stocks. So if you, if the initial bet you can make is large enough, you can just push the entire price. Like you can get a hundred and seventy percent value increase in these companies, and therefore okay. for yourself. See when you say we can, when you say we can reasonably assume, who actually did assume that for legal purposes? For the, for legal purposes, uh, it was the Financial Times that assumed quite a bit of this. 
Thank but you. it is but Thank it is you. an assumption <laughs> which neither we nor the uh, you know based on available data that we can be reasonably sure about, but we cannot know for a hundred percent certain just for legal purposes. Yeah, said said the Financial Times. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the 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 point where it goes. So not only have these stocks risen massively, but he's also increased the amount of borrowing he's doing versus the amount of actual money he's got like in his back pocket because he keeps putting it on the roulette table. The difference between the the, the amount he's borrowed and the amount that he has is so, in some trades, according to the Financial Times, goes up to one in 20, which means that for every dollar he has in an actual bank account, he has borrowed 20 more dollars, which, <laughs> you know, hmm. that's, that's pretty... Seems like a good ratio. Yeah. And what's the ratio between the money he theoretically has, including his borrowed money, and the money that's in circulation because of the leverage? The total exposure of Archegos, so like the total money out there mm-hmm. in the world in all these contracts and bets that he had with eight banks was 50 billion US dollar. I don't know how much actually... <laughs> I don't see a problem with that. He's got options out there, like his contracts, it's 50 billion is circulating, of which there's a much lower percentage is money he actually has, of which 120th is the amount he actually has. Sounds fine. <laughs> I don't see any problems with any of this. No. Well, unfortunately, there is a slight problem, uh, which no comes in, in March 2021. Um, be- I mean, the most shocking thing about this story is that there's ever a consequence, really. Is <laughs> <It's> because <laughs> um, Viacom, because they've the stock has risen so much, they decide to offer $3 billion more in extra stock. They just want to cash out on, on the share price, and they just think it's a good way to earn some money, uh, so why not do it? But because there's now a bit more stock available on the market uh, overall, the, the the overall share price goes down. You know, there's more of mm-hmm. the same, um, and the share price goes mm-hmm. down not that much, but enough. And this very small decline probably um, causes the, those um, a margin call. If you remember them, that's when the bank huh. says, "I'm not sure." Like we're not comfortable with the amount of money you have outstanding with us. You need to give us some more, like backlog money to to make up it's when the man holding the cards goes hold on a second yeah this is essentially when the bank goes do you actually have like is your credit card limit big enough to cover all these bets you're making and we would like to see some proof of that unfortunately are you a real are you a real person or three children in a trench coat (laughs) a little bit and it's bear in mind the thing that's caused this is he's put such massive bets on it that it's driven the price of it up which has led to the people who issue the stock to go, oh, we'll issue more and we'll get more money off the back of that because there's demand for it, which has caused the stock price to dip ever so slightly, which is enough to invoke the margin call, which gets a bank turn and go, hey, actually, you're good for this, right? If it goes tits up, you're good for this, right? Uh, show us the paperwork just so we know you're good for it. I mean, it's not gone tits up yet, but, you know, we, we had a bit of a wobble, so you are good for this, right? Yeah. So, which then leads to... Which then leads to the following situation... It is reasonably, can reasonably assumed by the Financial Times and other journalists, and I think by ourselves, is that he didn't have the actual cash in hand money. Oh, to pay no, up. my poor... My, no, 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 but what my, happens then... He's not a real boy. But what happens then is to make up, like, to get the cash needed to pay off Goldman Sachs, he has to... S- he knocked over a really, really big post office. <laughs> <laughs> he has to sell some of his other positions and contracts and contracts for trade out there in the world. But when he starts selling those... The underlying shares in the banks become available and they start selling some of them. So then, because then the share price dips a little bit more because he has to dump a little bit of the volume, it's not 
Goldman Sachs, but uh, but I don't know this, but I'm you know let's speculate. Maybe it's Credit Suisse that comes knocking next and say, well, the share price has gone down, you know, minus zero zero two to minus zero zero three because you had to sell a small volume. Now we're getting uncomfortable and we need you to place more money with us. So this is another margin call. So he has to sell another chunk of his theoretical out there set of bets and positions, which causes the stock price. To drop even more, which causes and more. Sounds, at- sounds like a sounds like a cycle of some description. Yeah, <laughs> right. So what you're saying is the the smallest domino is labelled some prick gets up to mischief, and the big domino is labelled <laughs> guillotines. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> would that we were at the at the final domino, but you know, thing his fingers crossed. So this, like, this is just a snowball effect, right? It starts with one margin call. You have to sell a little bit. The banks get nervous. The share price drops a little bit because you're selling so much volume. Like the volume he was trading was so high that if he sells, it's not like your grandmother selling three shares in whatever the fuck. It's like he sells at a volume that is big enough to move the entire market when he does. And But this time, the ball has stopped rolling on red. And at the first sign of a, of black it all comes crashing down because it's all just a pyramid built on itself with more and more and more and more borrowed money reinvested and put on the table saying it'll be red again. So now it's black and the snow and the mountain. Well, you should have listened to me and knocked over a massive post office, it sounds like. <laughs> like I, If one were to speculate in a hypothetical scenario, not this one, right? Not this guy, not this situation. But one can understand how you would come to the strategy of thinking, hang on, I can make money if this stock price goes up in perpetuity. And also, if I place big enough bets, I can drive the stock price up in perpetuity. I don't see any problems with this. How about I just concentrate everything onto this one stock, which is built on bets that this stock will go up, which then becomes so large an investment that it drives the price of that stock up perpetually and thus becomes a perpetually money-generating engine. Yes. I don't see a problem with this because I am the smartest guy in the room, don't you know? In and there can't of, possibly be a downside. Yeah, in a world of infinite money and infinite confidence, that would indeed be possible. Uh, we don't quite live in that world, though. Um, so this is the... F- um, it's now March 25. Uh, Archegos knows that the firm doesn't have the money to cover all these incoming margin calls. And this is the first. So they, what he does is he calls all the banks that have been lending him money and, and writing these contracts and lending him shares out. He calls all of them on the same uh, conference call and says, you guys have to stop doing margin calls and selling the underlying shares because if you don't <laughs> stop doing it, my firm will go bust. And given the amount of money we have outstanding with you, um, that could also like severely impact your profit. Oh my God, yeah. this is beautiful. Like it's, it, you, you've pumped the fucking price of these shares up so high through your own, like through your own machinations that they, the banks end up being essentially beholden to you. Yeah. Well, if you, if they, you can, the they bank, can't margin yeah. If you owe the banks 10 pounds, it's your problem. If you owe the banks ten billion pounds, it's their problem. Exactly. It's a, it's exactly that. I mean, not quite because he's not quite big enough to pull this one off. So a number of the banks, again, this is written up in the FT, uh, and we don't know for sure, but there are records and there are currently SEC investigations about this. A number of banks say that they would agree not to sell the shares and keep the price stable, which is some people would call that 
price fixing or you know collusion between uh, actors in the market um so a number of maybe maybe it just came to them in a vision from god that's we don't we don't know <laughs> this is very possible so there's a sort of weak agreement that maybe they do but of of course our good friends at goldman sachs think well if i just sell my shares first then i'll get the highest price and i'm out of here goodbye everybody so that is what mm-hmm. happened um so on Friday, uh, March 26th, this is when like it really hits like the headlines and and you know it, it, it the dumping of the shares in these positions goes up massively. Uh, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley drop 19 billion worth of Viacom Discovery and a bunch of these other stocks in a giant fire sale, uh, dropping the value of the companies Viacom and Discovery the others by about 33 billion. Uh, Goldman Sachs leading the pack out the door with an initial dumping of $6.6 billion worth of sales, followed swiftly by Morgan Stanley, $4 billion, uh, another $4 billion in the afternoon of Friday, March 26. Um, so, you know, everybody's now selling, which, of course, causes the price to tank. It causes, essentially, Archegos and Bill Wang to go completely bankrupt because there's no more, you know... It, Everything's just come up on black now, and over. He just he just stood there wearing his top hat with his <laughs> with his pockets outturned, with a little fly flying away. You know, yeah. You hate when it, you hate to see it. It's so- very important to know illustratively that this is how Wall Street works and why Goldman Sachs are successful. They they do prisoner's dilemma, where they basically go, yeah, everyone, we're all agreed that we're not going to do this thing because it's mutually in our interests not to do this thing, right? Right, okay, we're all agreed. Then the second they get out of the room, they knife everyone else in the back really hard <laughs> to walk away from it, you know, by selling them all out. Yeah. That, that's how it works. This is this is the upper end. Yeah, so over a You may say that's just cruel, like, but like, I would just say that's capitalism. yeah. Over a week of like blowout sales, the price of Viacom stock drops by more than half. Tencent, Baidu, some of the others, Discovery, they take huge hits. And the banks, because they've written all these positions and, you know, remember, remember they were always the share owners. They never stopped holding the shares through their prime brokerage because Bill Huang only and Archegos only held these derivative bets. The contracts are different. So because of the loss of value of these shares, uh, Nomura loses two, nearly $3 billion worth uh, of money. Credit Suisse loses somewhere north of $5 billion. UBS loses somewhere around $800 million. Morgan Stanley loses close to $1 billion. Deutsche Bank, Wells Fargo, Mizuho, MUFG, I don't know how much they lose, but uh, quite a lot. And now you might ask yourself, well, that's... How much did they earn from all this? Because if you're going to lose, like Credit Suisse, like 5 billion US dollar, surely you must have gotten like some fat management fees, right? You must have, you know, you must have been able to buy yourself some nice caviar with that. And we don't, it's hard to say, but there's an article on Bloomberg that estimates that the total profit between 2013 and when this whole fucking thing blew the fuck up was pretty much only 54 million US dollar for one bank. So, like, only for $54 million, were they willing to assume risks that blew up in their faces for more than $5 billion US dollars? Oh, no. Is, someone, is that someone in the distance saying that the row of profit tends to fall? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> 
I mean, and of course, the only way that this shit is all possible is because we live in the age of cheap infinity money if you are an investment bank. Because, you know, interest rates are on the floor. You can always get more money from the Federal Reserve, from the European Central Bank, from the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan. You know, they can just get infinite free more money. And Riley and Trash Future have talked about it way better than I ever will. But like... Therefore, if the money is always free and you can always go back with a wheelbarrow to the central banks to get some more, why not do these arcane, stupid trades where the payoff is so small and the risk is so high? Because essentially, you're backstopped by, if not by the central bank, then by the taxpayer, because these are systemically important banks, remember? They can just fuck around and find out because at the end of the day, they will be made whole or there'll be infinite more money to come. Never mind. Yeah, I am, I am genuinely convinced that the 2008 banking crisis that we all saw wasn't really a banking crisis. What it was, was the exact moment that capital completely and utterly took over the world and became basically the rulers of us all. And simultaneously just, completely lost the plot. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like... Uh, they now they now run our economies like very explicitly. It, it was it was always constructed to to sort of be that way for a while, but that's when finance took the mask off and said, "Look, we're in charge. We're in charge. We run this shit. This is ours. We own you. We decide where the money goes, and de facto, we we choose public spending because because um, if we do not like something, then we will crash parts of the economy, and you'll have to gut whatever we don't like to pay for it. Essentially." And the world just went, yeah, okay. But one of the reasons that like this didn't snowball even further into like an even bigger crisis, because remember, Goldman Sachs and Nomura, Credit Suisse, all the others, they don't have like all their money like themselves. They all borrow from each other interconnectedly all the time. But because they are banks, you know, with the word bank written on the door, they are affected by new rules that say you have to have a certain amount of real hard cash locked in a vault somewhere, um, like capital, to make sure that you can actually make good on these trades. So essentially, some of the rules of Dodd-Frank and, and, and what the Bank of England did uh, with ring fencing and stuff, they did actually work. So that's one of the reasons this did like catastrophize outward into a bigger problem. But that's only... That's only in relation to like ha companies that have the word bank on them somewhere in big golden letters above the door for all these other weird things you know the family offices shit like green sill bitcoin nfts mm -hmm. the, the ship uh, we've never really talked about it but like the special purpose acquisition vehicles all the shit in the shadow banking economy where it's not a direct trade between two buildings with the word bank on the door it, all this sh shadow finance is wildly unregulated, completely opaque, invisible. And when it blows up, like this one did, fortunately, like not in a global catastrophe causing way, we have no way of knowing all this shit. Because like, even though, as I said earlier, when David was asking about it, there are supposed to be rules in place about these derivatives and people should be able, uh, should be forced to give their position and say this is how much i own even though i'm a family office but of course well, it's all just it's just it's just whose bank is it anyway where everything's made up and the money doesn't matter right it's just fucking like you say it's simpler than is... that it's simpler than that you can't do that that's illegal yeah, but then, like, what if I'm not a bank, but I'm a family office? Oh, well, well, then it's fine. Then it's completely legal. Don't, don't worry about that. It's all cool. It's all good. It's also, it's also worth remembering that 
when you talk about it was fine because they had to have some real money lodged somewhere, that's, that's actually kind of not really the truth. What it actually is, the currency reserves, is about money held notionally with a central bank. And in a roundabout way, it's basically there's an agreement with a central bank to backstop this stuff if it's run through regular banks and is in sight of the you know jurisdiction and regulation in theory right it's all the stuff that's off the table that nevertheless does touch on banks is going to be the shit that really really kills us in the end the next the next financial crisis is going to be companies surrounding big shares and stuff like apple and all the rest of it like that's going to be what fucks us like what we're seeing now like i mean with with you know green is another great example of shit that's gone horribly wrong and like i encourage you strongly to listen to the tf episodes about that yes the next crisis won't come out of the stuff that we've seen before i mean quite probably not like it won't be the u.s housing market it won't be internet stocks it won't be and and what we keep doing it will be something like this that will come out of nowhere where everybody's going to hold up the fucking hand and say oh we we can possibly have seen this one coming this is completely new and the reason it's completely new is because we don't want to be in control of this shit anymore because this is incredibly hard like this is opaque finance shit (laughs) wow it sounds it sounds almost like another catastrophe that's happened very recently Uh, you know it's like (laughs) you know it's like i'm worried about many things when it comes to modern finance but like Last week when we did the episode, uh, uh, the double episode, part two on the Patreon, about Jess Phillips. But like the Jess Phillipses of the world are singularly, totally incapable, wholly inadequate to the task of looking at this stuff and saying and putting limits on it and being prescient and saying, okay, maybe there's stuff that needs to be done because they're not capable of it. And we've built a system where, where like government is no longer intellectually capable of putting the bounds on this because we live, we live in an age of fucking U S senators trying to legislate on things like Bitcoin. And they've like never heard of the internet. Yeah. Shit like that. And And they're literally on Alzheimer's medication. And it's exactly, it's shit like that. Like we have fucking US senators going to the fucking floor of the Senate holding a snowball in their hands that they kept in the fridge to show that climate change isn't real. Do you think those fuckers understand this? Do you think someone like Jess Phillips is capable of understanding it? I didn't fucking understand it. I probably still don't understand it. I just spent like a day reading about it and I hope I tell an interesting story. What what is required, right? Basically, finance is, under capitalism, it is the lifeblood of your economy. It's the stuff that actually dictates the flow of resources and of human lives within your economy. And so what's required for this is you need to regulate by basically going, these are the activities you're allowed to do, anything else is illegal. But they will not do that because the entirety of liberalism is predicated on this idea that you only regulate things that explicitly get out of hand and you have to be very specific. So you don't get to go... This Even is, then. Well, that you, you, you don't... You, the regulatory approach is you don't get to go, these are the prescribed activities that you as a bank can do, anything else lands you in jail. Instead, you have to play whack-a-mole. And that's a fundamental problem. Yeah, I mean, and you only regulate after the fucking horse, horse is bolted, you know. Yep. This guy was just able, and he was only able to get these introductions and like get this far because he had a past with a different investment firm. So all these guys, they knew each other. You know, and he had, to be fair, he had 200 million in his pocket because he did only got, like, by comparison, a tiny fucking fine. But it's, again, you know, we've said it on a couple of episodes now, it's a big fucking club, it's a small club, and you're not in it. Like, none of us, none of us are fucking in it, you know. Mm. The UK government is currently doing uh, a year-long review into the rules that were set up post 
2008 that separated like investment banking shenanigans like this from retail consumer banking that's just like you with a normal banking account and maybe a mortgage or something um and they're doing a yeah year when if i go into the bank and ask for money they tell me to fuck off rather than just give me some yeah yeah and they're currently looking at whether or not this separation should be maintained how it should be maintained and you know what the rules should be going forward and of course the banking sector in the uk is already pushing for well maybe the banks would actually be safer if the investment bankers were allowed to play with your consumer deposits why not what could possibly go wrong and you know that's not on the fucking front page you know we have to make time and room for fucking gabby hinsliff to write about turfs or some other fucking bullshit about boris johnson's haircut this stuff the material shit that will eventually blow up in our faces and you know not to do an mmt thing but like the shit that we will all have to pay for when it blows up with another round of austerity and bedroom tax too and all that fucking shit and more zero hours contracts and all the rubbish that you associate with your life is never on the front page is never explained and when we have the fucking jess phillipses and lisa nandy's and the Keir starms of the fucking world in charge and they won't be in charge you know they they don't get it and they won't and they can't and they will not because they are liberals and it's just we have to put a fucking stop to this shit what is are you are you are you saying that we should do something to like fight against liberalism perhaps combat it in some way i'm i'm merely asking the question what is to be done what is to be done (laughs) a a, a similar response fair enough (laughs) (laughs) okay I would also have accepted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. How about then we um, lighten the mood with some comment or commentary? Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that'll work. And what if I told you that the comment or commentary was a special Afghanistan edition? Woo! <sighs> Prepare thyself for takes. <laughs> Love a good game of random or specific dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the game. I yeah. would also have accepted dickhead. <laughs> I listened to the recording of Ben Wallace's interview and thought he sounded genuinely distressed at the prospect of what would happen to people left behind in Afghanistan if we couldn't get them out quickly. I despise the Tories as much as anyone, but he sounded like he actually really cared, so credit where credit's due. Let's hope he can translate that passion into meaningful action. Comment or commentary. Is this James Comment. O'Brien? Has he found another new favourite Tory, like a new little pet? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to comment. Go on. Commentariat. Yeah, commentariat. <laughs> All right. Rob, you're going commentariat as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a comment in The Guardian. <laughs> Worth course. noting, by the way, that Ben Wallace, the uh, defence minister who was uh, greeting about these people being left behind, is a former director of Kinetic oh. in 2008 or some shit. So, oh, like, Kinetic during the Hughes. fucking Afghan war. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, right, next one. There is a reason why we have police forces. Without them comes the rule of the violent, the triumph of the thief. Without them, them, the rule of the violent. Okay. (laughs) Without them, there is no law worth having and no freedom that endures. Yet the relief that US power seemed to be receding 
didn't appear to create an understanding that a Western alternative would need to be created. Instead, the alternative to American power has been Assad power, Putin power, Xi power, and now Taliban power. Yes, Xi power. The end of Pax Americana is proving to be the end of Pax. Comment or commentaria? This is commentaria because they're under the illusion they can write. Save me, <laughs> President Xi. <laughs> that opening mm. with its uh, profound, shall we call it, language, huh, uh, that's someone who honestly genuinely believes they can write and that they're being very, you know, this is this will win them their pillars. So this is commentary. Yeah, this is commentary. I'm going to yeah, go comment just to be contrarian. Okay, that was the wrong choice. It is commentary. That was Daniel Fink. Uh, that was Daniel Finkelstein in The Time. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Big I like how Jamie didn't even get to place a comment or commentary at there. No, no, no. Jamie did. Jamie muttered like, oh, all right. And I, I just took that as an answer. And he was right. <laughs> You see, the system works. Ah, right, yeah. <laughs> Most efficient allocation of resources. Commentary <laughs> edition. <laughs> right. Biden's speech utterly undermines the sacrifices already made by American military forces. 2,300 dead. Was that not worth it, Mr. Biden? Will you tell their families that? And secondly, it grates against the virtues of courage and valour that may very well be required in oh, the future. Fuck off. Possibly, yeah, whoever, whoever this is can get in the fucking bin. Possibly in a mission that makes more sense than the. I love, I love one. to honour. I love to honour the courage of brave Marines in fucking Afghanistan doing <laughs> shit like running over someone's taxi because they you think they stole some fucking wood. Yeah, courage. That was Iraq. Oh. <laughs> Either way, either way, appealing to the decadent bourgeoisie's gated community instincts, instincts is a recipe for disaster in a nation that will sometimes need to fight for its people and its values. Oh, Comment or commentary? Oh. Comment. I, I, I have to say as well, I don't give a fuck about any of the like Western troops that died in in any of these wars. Do you know what I mean? It's like. You, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, as far as I'm concerned. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to cry about, like, some dipshit who had, like, a fucking swastika tattoo and was flying, like, a, a fucking SS flag off his fucking Jeep or whatever. <laughs> and he accidentally got killed by an IED on his way to, like, Bomber's 15th wedding of the day. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. I don't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? But also, it's like, the 3,000, or what was it, 3,500, 4,500 uh, uh, US soldiers, it's like, oh, okay, so we're just going to pretend that no Afghans died and they don't matter. No, it's only fucking, you know, Pete for Was Kansas, the ratio but, not something like for every for every single US service person that died during in Afghanistan, um, like 70 Afghan civilians yeah, died or some shit? Like, that, like yeah. It's a ludicrous yeah. fucking number. Anyway, comment or commentary on it's comment because it's all over the place. It doesn't have a consistent tone through it. Mm. James, I don't, I, if we if we've learned anything, that is not a disqualifying factor. No, I, I've got a, I've got a strong feeling this is comment. <laughs> all right, I think is it Brendan? It has a it has Brendan ish vibes to it because about the, that shit about the bourgeoisie. I'm feeling commentary. It was commentary, and it <sighs> was Brendan. And you're right, it yes! wasn't consistent, <laughs> but it was Brendan. Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Yeah, Bren- Brendan, my Achilles forehead. <laughs> when you take on an enemy with no scruples, no morals, just a religious ideology that's around 1,500 years old, 
and you try to defeat them with politically correct tactics oh, and insist the front line I mean, up troops. until... Wait up for until, it. Wait, up until... wait, wait, wait. No, I will not wait for it. <laughs> and insist grown the front line troops fight with both arms tied behind their backs and adhere strictly to human rights protocols, then defeat uh, is going to be the only outcome. <laughs> this is Tony Blair. <laughs> The West yeah, you can you can you can, only, you can only win a conflict by uh, doing war crimes all the time. I, I, Any concept of like the rules of engagement, that shit does not matter. What you need to do is you need to piss on every single corpse you can. You need to use chemical no, weapons Alist- at all times. Alistair, it, was I, this was this um, was I this Marine A writing f- for the Sun? <laughs> <laughs> I beg that you let me finish this one. The West have forgotten how to win thanks to the left-wing pacifism that has pervaded the West over the past 40 years. You can't beat a ruthless enemy by being nice, as this tobacco has proved once again. Either the troops are allowed to fight as they've been trained to, or you accept that the West will never win a war again. The options are that stark. Comment or commentary. God damn. I mean, that was just a fucking bingo card of the worst shit imaginable. (laughs) <laughs> ah, oh, wow I just, I feel genuinely quite sick after hearing that uh, I, I'm going to stick with my original <laughs> guess I think this is Tony Blair <laughs> I'm, I, think, I feel like this is this is disgusting enough to be commentary I, th- I think it's commentary and uh, to, answer the, to answer the question then I, I'm happy to accept that the West never wins another war ever again that's I price I'm more than willing to fucking pay. <laughs> Once I again, I ask Xi Jinping to come save us. I think it's comment. I think it's too mask off. It's the sort of thing they leave for commenters to say rather than put in the actual articles. Please tell me, am okay. I right, David? Please. You are right. That was a oh, comment in the Daily Mail. Yeah. <laughs> it was very close by another comment which I really wanted to put in, but I couldn't quite decode because it basically ended in also research Tower 7. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good um, <laughs> Right, a failure of intelligence apparently is what's happened in Afghanistan. It happened in Iraq too, back in two thousand and three. A failure of intelligence may also make for a good name for a grand history book about the intervening couple of decades. There's intelligence failing everywhere. Electing Donald Trump has got to go down as a failure of intelligence. Brexit, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, Jeremy Corbyn, Gavin Williamson. Hey, I've got, I've got Patel. a good failure of intelligence for you, the fucking <laughs> Bay of Pigs. <laughs> intelligence these days rarely appeals to succeed. These days. Comment or commentary. <laughs> <laughs> this one's commentary. Remember when the intelligence was on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yes, Rob. Nice. Love it. <laughs> Right. Commentaria, I guess. Commentary. It's commentary. It is commentary. That was Tom Peck in The Independent. Oh, fuck that oh, guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, last one. Oh, fucking the US fuck military Christ-like. Weren't, <laughs> the US military weren't routed by the Taliban, and they weren't routed in Vietnam either. For Very political, everyone stay calm. <laughs> for political <laughs> and domestic reasons, they pulled out of both futile walls. The conflicts were stupid, ill-advised, and doomed to failure, but the US military were hardly routed in either case. Some accuracy rather than sensationalism would be welcome. 
comment or commentary. This isn't this isn't blood in my mouth. It's victory wine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there is there, is there anything? As famous as uh, a defeat for the Americans as the like the fall of Saigon, where literally a picture of a helicopter escort like rescuing American uh, well, diplomats I, and I shit. Well, I think I think fall of Saigon is like inflammatory language, and you should call it the gentle lowering of Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I use I use Saigon advisedly because because we all know it's Ho Chi Minh City. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was your comment or commentary for Wait, this week. So what was the answer? Um, Wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, did I actually answer that, that one? fucking oh. chase it for more. Do you know what I mean? We're, get, we're getting off early. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Jamie's like, stop asking for fucking homework. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, that was a comment in the Daily Mail. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll kind of head towards wrapping it up there. Um, just, like, normally we would ask, like, for donations to the Patreon, etc., sub and get the free episodes and stuff. However, at the moment, Haiti is kind of fucked. Uh, They've had, like, a lot of fucking shit happening. There's been an earthquake. There's a fucking tropical storm. Everything's fucked. Everything's shit. So we would, rather than encourage you to give us money, um, maybe fling some money towards them. So we've found a couple of charities that are doing work in Haiti. Um, One of them is the World Central Kitchen, and there's also Soil, which is um, there to improve sanitation in Haiti, which obviously, you, as you can imagine... Soil, by now, by now. We're also linking this little known charity called the Clinton Foundation, mm. which does a lot of good work in Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> we are not doing that. No, but yeah, seriously, please do consider giving a bit of money if you can. Um, if you can't, no worries, obviously. Like, we're not going to fucking scold you for that shit. Um, and if you still want to and can, subscribe to the Patreon, then also feel free. We'll also not fucking scold you for that shit either. Except if you're on the 500 quid Patreon. Because uh, yeah, 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 except for that. That's right. So I, I think that'll probably do it for us this week, folks. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. 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 See you.